you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. How many tired of hearing that? I hope you're not. Amen. You better thank God I preach series because I just preach on soul winning all the time. Y'all be bored to death. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, and then we'll go to uh, Judges chapter 13. It's a double-barreled text. If one doesn't get you, the other one will. Amen. And uh, thank God you're here tonight. This is a good congregation. And uh, we thank God for you being here. Sure is an encouragement to see you. And it's good to see Brother Nathan. He had to buzz out real quick and um, go to Michigan. He proved that he wasn't a Yankee. He's talking like that. Amen. But I love Yankees too. Amen. He just married one. They couldn't help it. And uh, thank the Lord for uh, the work he's doing up there in Michigan. I know Brother Steve's proud of him. We're proud of him too. Hebrews chapter 11. And if I had a back to school message, this would be it. They don't ask me to preach it anymore because I'm too old. They let the young preacher preach it um, on back to school Sunday. But this is a back to school message. I believe college starts Monday, uh, if I'm not sure, Dalton State. And uh, uh, I believe Whitfield County starts the 31st of August. Don't they? Amen. I think it's 31st. Amen. Uh, how many's going back? Raise your hand. How many's not going back? Okay, good. Just stay at home. It don't matter. And uh, we just need to pray for our children, and uh, it's a lot of close quarters there. And let's pray for our teachers and ask God to help them because I know some of them are very concerned because uh, some of these students will get in your face. Amen? They wouldn't get in my face. I'd put up a barrier right now. Amen? They'll scream. Say, hey, keep your distance. In New York, they have to screen in the teachers, keep them getting shot. That's right. And so uh, let's pray for our teachers. Let's pray for our, for our schools. Let's pray for our kids. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. If I was the author of the Bible, I would leave this fellow out of the Hall of Fame of Faith. I'm going to answer the question, why in the world did he make it? And I'm talking about Samson. But I want to tell you something. Samson is a great illustration of not his faith, but God's faithfulness and his forgiveness and his mercy. I've already answered the question. But anyway... Let's stand on the Word of God. I won't let you out of standing for the Word of God. Amen. I'll let you sit down because all of you look like you're as tired as me. And I don't know why I'm tired. I guess the years I'm putting on here. But look at verse 32. And don't say pounds. Years. Okay. Verse 32. And what shall I say, the, uh, what shall I more say? For the time should fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, preached on him this morning, and Deborah, and of Samson, of Jephthah, and of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of the weakness were made strong. Maybe that's for Samson. Waxed valiant in the fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They might obtain a better resurrection. I can't wait to get in a couple of weeks to and others. Sometimes it didn't work out for others, but they still had faith, and they were still honored. Amen? Not everything's going to, something good is going to happen to you today, what Oral Roberts used to say. No, something bad might happen to you today. And it seems like there's a lot of bad happening in the world today. But I believe God's been merciful 
And we deserve far worse than all the world's getting because we've shook our fist at God so many years. And I just pray that God have mercy. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the good crowd tonight, good congregation. It's encouraging to me. And I know it's encouraged each other. God, I pray that you put a hedge around these families and protect them. Uh, thank you for the little children in here today. And God, thank you for the good singing. Thank you for that great special with a great message. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you'd help us to not only sing by faith, but walk by faith, live by faith. And God, when we fall, we get up by faith and realize that you haven't lost your love for us and your mercy and your grace. And so, Lord, bless these few minutes we have together and teach us, Lord, uh, when faith fails, but failure is never final. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me repeat that title, When Faith Fails, But Failure Is Not Final. You know, this man blew it. His name was Samson. If you'll look at Judges 13, and we'll be there the remaining of the evening. In Judges 13, the Bible says in verse 24 of Judges chapter 13, I'll wait on you. That's right before Ruth. <laughs> Amen. Right after first Judges, you find it. Amen? Okay, good. Judges chapter 13. Some, some people are never going to visit this church again if I don't know more Bible than that. But look at um, uh, verse 24 of chapter 13. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. I'll give you the definition of that name. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move at times in the camp of Dan between Zorar and Esther. And Samson, Samson went down to Timoth. Uh, you can underline the two words, went down, and saw a woman in Timoth, Timnath, of the daughters of the Philistines. He came up and told his father and his mother, and he said, I have seen a woman in Tim, Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Strange. Now therefore get her for me to wife. And then his father and his mother said to him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Father, please use this message again, Lord. We pray for unction to preach this very important message. God, help us to listen, open our hearts. And we're going to praise you and thank you for giving us faith that does not fail. But if we do fall, God, help us to have enough faith to realize you don't give up on us. We'll praise you in Jesus' name, amen. The word Samson means shine. And I believe that with all my heart, Samson's parents knew that God was gonna use their son in a special way. And so they named him Shine. And that means a brilliant testimony. And Samson was probably the oldest, excuse me, the strongest man in the Old Testament. Uh, he, attacked, he was attacked by a lion, a lion, and, he, and the lion, uh, he just tore it apart. 
Uh, he had great heights of glory and strength. He was a judge over Israel and judged Israel for 20 years. Not only a man of great physical strength, but a man of great wisdom. But just as he soared in great heights, he also fell to great depths. Samson went from a hero to a zero. One of the saddest stories in the Bible. And it's a story that tells us about the power of sin in the life of Samson, that he went from disobedience to defeat to disgrace to disappointment and finally destruction. As having said all that in the introduction, I want to give you three things about why Samson sinned. Number one, I want you to see the source of sin. The source of sin. In verses 24 through 25 of, of, of our text, the Bible says that uh, he was born and he grew. But folks, as you're born and as you grow, you're born of the flesh. And folks, you must be born again of the Spirit. And at the time, the Spirit of the Lord, in verse 25, moved upon him, and, and, and therefore, uh, he had a great future ahead of him. Uh, to be filled with the Spirit of God, to represent the Spirit of God, to be a deliverer, to be a judge. And what caused him to sin? What was the source of his sin? Well, it's summed up in two words, the flesh. The flesh. I want you to turn in your Bibles to uh, James chapter 1, verse 15. James chapter 1, verse 15. And you'll see the source of every fall, of every failure. That's why we don't need to feed the flesh, but we need to feed the Spirit. Say amen. We need to realize that God uh, has a, a purpose for our life and that we ought to not sin uh, habitually and we shouldn't give in to the temptation of sin and folks that we can be tempted and when we're drawn away of our own lust look at verse 14 James chapter 1 it says every man is tempted when he's drawn away with his own lust and enticed that's a fisherman term um, my father-in-law uh, Pappy was one of the greatest fishermen I knew and he always had some enticing lures and he would use those lures no matter what everybody else is fishing with. And he had this tiny, hidden, I thought it was hidden, but it was hidden torpedo. It looked like a frog. Uh, when Pappy was using it, it jumped like a frog. And then when he really got uh, fishing in the spirit, it sounded like a frog. He'd start croaking like one, amen? Especially when he'd catch a big bass. And he'd jiggle that thing and jerk it. But I want to tell you something, under that frog, it really wasn't a frog. It was a lure. It was an enticer. It had two treble hooks, two sets of three hooks. And buddy, when you hit a big mouth bass, I didn't say a big mouth Baptist, but when you caught a big mouth bass, that thing would come out of the uh, water and, and uh, jump and shout and pout. And it was just amazing what that lure could do. But look at verse 15. And then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. All of us have an old Adamic nature. Contrary to the charismatic's false doctrine that you're, when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost that your old nature is eradicated, if it is, why does people have such, such a hard time living for God if they have no old nature? There's never a state on this earth where you will not have your old nature. Uh, that's there. It's Adamic. It's inherited by the flesh. And folks, I want to tell you something. You're prone to wonder and I want to tell you something. The reason I know that uh, 
uh, there's a fleshly enticer in my heart is because sometimes I don't want to do right. And I, wa I want to do right, but I don't do right. Romans chapter 7 says, I, 17 times. Get out of Romans 7, get in Romans 8, and you'll see the Spirit, but the Spirit, but the Spirit. So the source of sin is our old fleshly nature. And I want to tell you something. If we take our eyes off Jesus, and if we take our mind out of the Word of God, we can sin some terrible sins just like Samson. So don't pass judgment on him and say, well, he should have never sinned, folks. He, he sinned because he was a sinner by nature, but he could, be, he could have been victorious over sin because he could be victorious by spirit. Amen? We all have an old sinful nature. He took his eyes off the Lord and allows his eye to wander upon temptation. Um, there were several gates that he did not guard. And one of them was the eye gate. Notice in chapter 14 real quick. And Samson went down to Timoth and saw a woman in Tim Timnath. Saw a woman. And she happened to be a, the a, a, a woman of the Philistines, which is a total heathen, anti-Christ, anti-Israel nation. What in the world was he looking there? I'll tell you why he was looking there. She must have been something to look at. And folks, I want to tell you something. Eyes are like binoculars. They need to stay single. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 11, verse 34. Luke chapter 11, verse 34. I'm talking about entice by the eye gate. We need to be careful what we see, and we need to be careful what we sow, ladies. Show. Amen? I don't believe we ought to attract somebody with the flesh, but we ought to attract people by the Spirit. I still believe in modesty. It's a hard sermon to preach, and nobody lives it, it seems like, but I'm going to tell you something. It's still what we ought to do. I don't think you ought to ever entice a man by your body. I believe you ought to in, in interest a man by your spirit and by your godliness. What you attract a man with is what you have to keep a man with. Amen? And I'm going to tell you something. You marry a person for the flesh, then I'm going to tell you something. The flesh can get you in trouble to get you unmarried. But if you marry somebody drawn by the Spirit, praise God, and I mean attractive spiritually, that's where it's at. And Luke chapter 11 talks about guarding the eye, guarding what we see, and guarding what we show. Look in verse 34. It says, the light. You with me? Luke chapter 11 now. Verse 34. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when the, thine eye is single, single, thy whole body also is full of light, but when, thy, when, when thine eye is evil, the body also is full of darkness. Verse 35 says, Take heed therefore that the light which is in, in thee be not darkness. Folks, listen, the Bible says that we ought to realize that what we see is what we think. And as we think, so are we. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, I believe it's verse 29, it says, Guard your heart. I think I'm going to take off my uh, little speaker that I got from my birthday. I mean, no. But uh, guard your heart. Y'all better guard the preacher and drop all this electronic stuff. But anyway, guard your heart. That doesn't mean just this pump that will wear out in about 85 years. But it means your heart, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You ought to guard your mind. As a man thinketh, so is he. But you ought to guard your eye gate. Folks, there is a real temptation for men of God to fall into pornography. It's rampant. It's a sin that's rampant. 
And in every church, there's somebody that's having problems with pornography because men have trouble with the eye gate. Ladies, you need to realize that, that men are attracted by the eyes. They look upon a maid. And it says it's not good for a man to look upon a maiden. And folks, when, we, folks when, we're, when we're evil, the body becomes dark. There's three persons sitting in your seat right now. I feel like that a lot lately because of how much weight I have gained from this uh, COVID-19. Because I'm eating 19 times a day just because out of nerves. I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't dip. But when I get nervous, I eat. But I will tell you this, friend, uh, uh, and I'll probably die of a heart attack instead of the COVID, not being light about that. But folks, there's three persons sitting right where you're at. Number one, there's the person you could be for God. And then there's the sinner that's sitting in your seat. That's the old nature. And I don't believe that any of us realize the potential of the old nature. You can do anything you did before you got saved. You just won't get away with it. Say amen. Your old nature can be violent. Your old nature can kill somebody. Your own nature can be adulterous and and be unfaithful to your wife or your husband. Your own nature's wicked. It's wretched and it's weak. And folks, I want you to know also the sinner, uh, uh, you, you have another uh, 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 potential, and that's this, folks. You need to realize the potential that God wants you to be. There's a sinner and there's a person you could be for God and there's a person that you are for God. It's not your reputation, it's your character that counts. It's what you really are when nobody's around. Characters measured by what it takes for you to quit. And I want to tell you something, friend. There's a lot of people quitting today. There's a lot of people forsaking the house of God. There's a lot of people that stop reading their Bible. There's a lot of people getting bitter. But I want to tell you something, folks. Uh, tribulation and trials ought to draw us to God. and ought to draw us to our knees and draw us to the throne of God. Not away from God, but the devil entices. The devil lures you. The devil baits you. And the old flesh can give into that flesh. And folks, we need to be careful about the source of sin. And then the course of sin, number two. The course of sin. There's three steps in the downward fall of, of Samson. I'll give you a couple of them. Number one, he was careless. He was careless and indifferent. Sin starts very small. It's not back leaping, it's back sliding. Amen? If you're going to drown in the ocean, it's one wave at a time. <laughs> That's terrible, so many people down there now. You, you need to be careful about the undertow of sin. Nobody intended to get way out there where they couldn't get back, but folks, it's just an inch at a time. Inch by inch, it's a cinch, but inch by inch, it's a death sentence. And I want to say this, friend. Uh, you can get indifferent towards sin, and you can be indifferent towards modesty, and you can be indifferent towards pornography, and you can get indifferent towards... Uh, um, television and things that you shouldn't be watching. And I'm going to tell you something, it'll take you down, down, down. Folks, we need to guard our heart. We need to guard our God. We need to, as Job said, set a watch over our eyes that we might not sin against God. And folks, it's a discipline. It's hard not to, to look. And sometimes we can't help but look. But that don't mean you have to look through two or three times or go back to that channel or stay up late at night when your wife goes to bed and and get into smut. And folks, I want to tell you something. Garbage in, garbage out. Gospel in, gospel out. Sin starts small. He said, I want this, I want this, this woman. And she's a Philistine. She's a heathen, but I want that. And, and, and he starts commanding his parents to allow him to date an ungodly woman. 
No one goes roaring off to sin. As I said, it's not back leaping, it's backsliding. And folks, I want to tell you something. It usually starts with the wrong company. You better watch out who you associate with. I'm going to tell you something. You show me the crowd you're running around with, and I'll show you your future. Amen. If you, if you hang around a crowd that's critical and cynical and out of church and not right, not hey, if you hang, if you hang around lost people, you're going to find out they'll drag you down. She says, no, I'm going to win them to the Lord. They'll outnumber you. Amen. They will lure you. They will entice you. You're going to hang around some lost people. You better get about 20 other saved people with you and whip them. No, don't whip them. But, you know, uh, uh, witness to them and win them. Amen. And be a good testimony to them. Praise God. Don't go join them. And that's exactly what happened to Samson. He started running with the Philistines. Samson was at a feast uh, in this chapter. And uh, he began to fight and gist and gamble and argue and do riddles. And he was just having a good old time. But God didn't call him just to have a good old time. God called him to be a holy man of God. He was even a Nazarite, which is depicting and symbolic of separation and holiness. He couldn't even cut his hair. I couldn't be a Nazarite. Ain't no way. Couldn't grow enough hair. And folks, and that was the secret to his his strength, it wasn't his hair, it's what that long hair represented, that he was sanctified, separated, and filled with the Spirit of God. And so we see that, folks, he was feasting with the wrong company. He was dating the wrong girls. He was lusting instead of loving. He was unfaithful to his calling. And then last but not least, we see the force of, his, of the sin. Let's see what sin did to him. I want to show you the high cost of low living tonight. The high cost of low living. God's called you to soar with the eagles, not go down the drain with the vultures. If you don't believe that there's vultures out there, just walk down the halls of a school. Go walk down the halls of the plants. Just go show up at work, and you'll find out there is a lot of lustful people in this world and they're looking for one thing, to satisfy that, that longing in their soul. And folks, what we need to do is be a witness. We need to be men of God and ladies of God. We need to be sanctified, thrill-filled, and satisfied. And we need to uh, uh, be sure that we, number one, never dishonor our parents. Never. Never. Folks, you need to obey your parents. You don't need to obey your parents. You need to honor your parents. And your days will be long, and they will be well. And parents, you need to be parents. You need to be separated. You need to be holy. You need to have some guidelines. You need to discipline. And folks, you need to love our, your children like God loves you. And last time I checked, God doesn't just become your buddy. He's your father, and he's your God, and he's your Lord. And folks, I want to tell you, sometimes, sometimes there's hard decisions, like you can't date that boy. Uh, no, you can't go to that activity. No, you can't stay out to 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, everybody else does it, Daddy. And I want to tell you something. There's a whole lot of people going down the drain when they should be at home with Mom and Daddy. And folks, listen, you're not missing much. Matter of fact, you're missing sin and misery and pain and agony. You're missing the future of sin, which is destruction. The Bible says it entices you, and it ends in destruction. And I want you to see this the, there was, uh, you know, if you marry an unsaved person, you're headed for trouble. 
If you marry a, 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 an unspiritual person, you are headed to trouble. I'm going to give you a, a reason for it, because you'll have trouble with your in-laws. The devil will become your father-in-law. John 8, 44 says you are the, of the devil, you are the, your father is the devil. And so if you marry a lost person, their father-in-law is the devil. And you don't just marry a person, you marry a family. Say amen right there. You marry into a family. And folks, I wouldn't even uh, uh, date a girl if she was saved if her family wasn't right with God. Because I'd afraid she, they'd bring her down. And so folks, you'll have trouble with your in-laws. You'll have trouble with their in-laws. Their devilish father, the devil, will lead them to draw you away from God. Then you'll have trouble with your mate. Amos 3.3 3 says, what fellowship has, I mean, excuse me, uh, how can two walk together unless they agree? The Bible says in um, the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, I believe it is, what fellowship hath with light, with darkness, with the, with the Lord and Belilah? And folks, come out from among them. Be ye separate, the Bible says. And so there'll be spiritual disagreement if you marry wrong. Now listen to me now. You might think he's a hunk, and you might think he's Casanova, and you might think he's even rich. But it'd be, it'd be cheaper for you to get alone and not get married, to marry somebody ungodly. Because that ungodly fellow will lead you down the wrong trail. He'll even lead you against your parents. And you'll dishonor your parents because you're trying to honor your lost husband. And so there's spiritual disagreement. It's hard enough to get to church on Sunday when you're both spiritual. Say amen. Amen. Come on now. Junior loses his shoe and... Sally loses her sock, and everybody gets in the flesh and says, well, good night, I'm just not going this morning. No, come, if you have to come barefooted, come to the house of God, say amen. If you have to come to the altar first before we have the sermon and ask God to forgive you for telling the whole family off and slapping them, come to the altar and get right with God. Uh, both Connie and I love God, but sometimes the devil fights spiritual things, like soul winning, like going to church, and then folks, listen, can you imagine married to a pagan? You're not going to get any encouragement to be faithful to the Lord. So there will be disagreements. And then there are, there's spiritual division. Only one physical and you'd be one psychological, but the Bible says we ought to be one spiritual. We ought to be one in the spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit ought to be mirrored through your oneness. Folks, there's much more than being married. You need to be spiritually one. And the only way you can be spiritually one is both of you be saved, sanctified, thrilled, filled, and satisfied with Jesus. I mean, empowered by God. And then you have the capacity to overflow and give. But if you're lost or if you're in the flesh, all you want to do is get. You ever been married to somebody like that? Don't raise your hand. And don't kick him in the, out into the aisle. Yeah, we ain't got the altar call started. An altar call starts, kick him on down the aisle. Amen. No, no, have you ever, you ever went through that? You disagree on everything. And then, of course, there's the problem of legacy. Mom loves God, but Daddy hates God. Daddy loves God, but Mama doesn't love God. I want to tell you what that does to a child. It tears him asunder. And his allegiance is divided. And his heart is diluted. And at best, he might turn out a lukewarm Christian. Sad, isn't it? Samson should have took heed to honor thy father and thy mother. 
Samson died young because he would not listen to his parents. Number two, he deserted his promise. Look at verse five. And then went Samson down and his father and his mother to the Timnath and came to the vineyard of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. Now my question is, what's a Nazarite doing in the vineyard? He wasn't even supposed to look on strong drink. And folks, it might seem like a small thing, but sin always appears as a small thing. But it's got a treble hook on each end of that small activity. The Nazarite vow was a symbolic to teach people that they were to live a life of self-denial. And here he is strolling through the vineyard, killing lions, and then he wants to get a riddle started and be the, be the, be the life of the party. That's what happened to Samson. Folks, Samson was flirting with sin. He was enticed. He was lured down to the Philistines' vineyard. And then number three, or C, he, 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 sin distorted his purpose. Distorted his purpose. Look at verse 15 of Judges chapter 14. The Bible says, And it came to pass on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife, Entice thy husband that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we, burn, lest we burn thee and thy father's house with fire. Have ye called us to take that which ye have? Is it not so? And so he goes to a wedding party, and he begins to laugh and joke and gamble and do riddles. And Samson seems to be blind to the purpose that God called him to. God's called every one of us to glorify God. God's called every one of us to magnify his name. God's called every one of us to be a holy priest that intercedes for others. God's called us to be an example. God's called us to be an ambassador. God's called us to be soul winners. God's called us to be uh, godly daddies and mamas and godly uh, a husband or wife. And godly means godlike. And he's flirting with sin. And, he, and, he's, and, he, and his call was to deliver Israel. And so he distorted his purpose. Look at uh, Proverbs 13.20, please. Proverbs 13.20. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. I want to get to my main point and not keep you long. I appreciate you being here. Chapter 13, verse 20, the Bible says this. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. That'd be a good verse to memorize going back to school, going to college. You think high school was rough, you ought to go to college. They even have professors there that will spew their humanistic philosophy and antichrist spirit will spew forth and you better be strong. Even in a Christian college, we found out this in recent news. And so folks, the Bible says, he that walketh with the wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. He should have heeded that. And so he deserted his promise and, he, and he, he dishonored his parents. He deserted his promise and he distorted his purpose and that purpose was to deliver Israel and to be a great prophet of God. And then he defiled his purity. In chapter 16, it's amazing to me, Judges chapter 16, what happens next. And I want you to look at verse one through four. The Bible says, then went Samson to Gaza and he saw there a harlot and went into her. And it was told that the uh, Gazites 
saying, Samson has come hither. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city, or quite all the night, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson laid till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gates of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all. They tried to put uh, gates to keep him, in, and, he, and he took the whole gates and all and put them upon the shoulders and carried them into the top of the hill that is before he, Hebron. Folks, it's amazing to me the strength of this man. Look at verse 4. It came to pass after that he loved a woman in the valley of Sokar, which name was Delilah. A woman that was a prostitute. A woman that not only was a prostitute, but she was a heathen prostitute. And this mighty man of God is now playing around. His unnamed harlot, and later another one named Delilah that was named. Remember, start, sin starts uh, small, just a small lust. Uh, and it doesn't end that way. It begins with the wrong date. It begins with disobedience to parents. It begins with uh, uh, just a small sin compared to what other people are doing. But folks, it, the devil never shows you the horrible end of the story. Never, the devil never shows you the baby out of wedlock. The devil never will show you the divorce. The trauma of divorce. Some of y'all been through that trauma. It's terrible. Brother Randy was telling me how terrible this COVID is. That somebody that works with Andrew, somebody was testifying that you don't want to get it. It's terrible. This lady wanted to die. It was so painful. I don't want to get it. I'm doing everything I can not to get it. Uh, you want me to hug and shake your hand? Forget it. I'll wave and smile at you. Amen. I'm trying to be careful. Because I don't want to get it because I don't handle pain too good. Now, my wife handles pain real good, but I am a real wimp when it comes to pain. How about you men? Praise God. Well, folks, listen. Folks, he, he, he was on the wrong road. And the devil never shows you the end of the story. always shows you the first chapter. Never shows you the backyard of sin, but shows you the front yard of sin. The devil always shows you the living room of sin, but never shows you the outhouse of sin. The devil promises you a tuxedo and you end up the rags of a mission. The devil shows you, tells you you'll have a, um, a brand new Toyota. You end up hitchhiking. The devil promises you all kinds of things and you end up destitute and broken and naked. And folks, listen, the devil never shows you a drunk lying in the gutter. Always shows you the lights and the glamour and the popularity on those commercials. It's amazing how they put these beautiful women on top of a Dodge and say, buy the Dodge. Well, what's a beautiful woman got to do with a Dodge? Dodge truck. I want to tell you something. Folks, listen. The devil never shows you the horrible end of the story. The devil never shows you prison. The, never, the devil never shows you the loneliness and the health problems. And the devil never shows you the day that you lose your testimony. And nobody respects your spiritual the devil never shows you the Spirit of God departing from your life, the power thereof, and, and not being effective and just being barren. His mother must have prayed for him. His daddy had given him to the Lord. And Samson was a blind a long time before his eyes were plucked out. And the deeper people go into sin, the less they know about it because the devil blinds them and they're, no, they're more blind than, than they've ever been before. 
See, the devil's a lure. The devil's an enticer. The devil's a master fisherman. He knows exactly what will get you. And that's what you have to war against. That's what you need to be careful against. And that's what you need to do is, is put some guards up. And you need to put a guard on your computer. I would never let a child have a computer in their room by themselves. That's ridiculous. I've had people I've taken in and, and I've called them uh, on my computer with pornography. Had to kick them out of the house. I said, you're ruining my testimony, boy. Boy, I, I hit the roof with it. I was rough with them. I said, don't you ever come in my house. I give you my food and, and a place to stay and love you and then you get, on that, get that filth on my computer, on my account. And folks, I want to tell you something. God help us to realize the devil is a, is a lure. He's an enticer. Look at Proverbs chapter 5 real quick. I ain't got time to go there long, but I want you to see Proverbs chapter 5, smooth words. Proverbs chapter 5, the Bible says this. I'll just read a couple of verses. My son attended my wisdom. And wisdom is seeing the end of sin, by the way. If you'll read chapter 1 through 7 of Proverbs, at the end of every proverb, there is the end of sin. That's wisdom. Seeing where sin will lead you. It says, my son attended my wisdom. And bow thine ear to understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. And it says, for the lips of a strange woman drop as honeycomb, but her mouth is smoother than oil. Folks, listen, but it says, but the end, her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. What's wormwood? Poison. And so there's the sweet enticing words. I'm going to tell you something, friend. If a man starts enticing your daughter for ungodly things, you need to take action. You need to guard. You need to protect. Because she's being lured by the emotional relationship and the lure of enticing words that are poison. Look at the end of the chapter. It says, Let the fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. And it goes on down to say, For will thou, my son, be ravaged with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? Verse 20. 21 says, for the ways of men are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. Here's the, here's the cure for that, the fear of the Lord. That God knows. And it says this, his own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. That's addiction. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. There's the addiction of pornography. There's the addiction of drugs. There's Addiction of strong drink. And I want to tell you something, friend. You never think you'll get hooked until you're hooked. You'll never think you'll go that low until you go that low. I mean, friend, I'm going to tell you something. Sin will take you lower than you ever thought it'd take you. Beware. It'll cost you more than you'll ever think it'll cost you. It'll cost you your sanity if you're not careful. It'll cost you everything that's precious. And so, folks, we need to open our eyes and see through God's eyes the end of sin. Samson was blind. He's a blind law a whole lot sooner than when they plucked his eyes out. And folks, even if he got forgiveness, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32 and 33, these are amazing verses. It says, But whosoever committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding, he that doeth it destroyed his own soul, and a wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. You can get forgiveness, but the reproach will still be there in these sexual sins. 
That's why I believe if a preacher or a pastor or a missionary commits adultery, they're disqualified because the reproach will always be there. You say, no, the Lord forgives. I know he forgives, but he said there's a reproach that shall not be wiped away. And so count the cost. Don't forfeit your ministry for the ecstasy of sin. Don't forfeit your, your family for a few, few minutes or a, a one night of sensuality. Samson defiled his purity. And then he diluted his power. I'll just close, but he looked at, if you'll look at Delilah's web in this chapter 16, turn back with me. We won't read any more, maybe a few verses. But Delilah was bribed. The devil will bribe you. He'll promise you a lot of things, but he won't pay. And if he pays, you don't want his payday. Payday someday. And they offered to her between three and $5,000 to get the secret. And so he was, she was laying with him in her beauty. And she said, hey, Sonny, I've got a question. What makes you so strong, big boy? You're so strong. Probably felt his muscles, you know. Where did you get all that strength, she whispered. She began to stroke his hair. While she was stroking his hair, she was after his scalp. And I can imagine this. She begins to stroke his hair, and she said, what makes you so strong? And Samson's now playing a game. He's playing around again. He says, well, it's seven green vines. They tried that. That didn't work. He said, well, it's a new robe. They tried that. That didn't work. Well, it's weaving my hair. Now they're getting close to the secret. Oh, it's just weaving my hair. They wove his hair, and he woke up, and it didn't work. But I want you to look at verse six, chapter 16, verse 16. And it says, and it came to pass. This is how sin works now. Young people, listen. Sin will work on you. The devil will work on you. It says, and it came to pass. And older people, the devil will work on you. Say amen. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. He thought he was going to die if he didn't please her. No, he died because he pleased her, pleased the flesh. And so, folks, finally she pressed him. That reminds me of Genesis chapter 39 when Potiphar's wife daily tempted Joseph. Day by day, the Bible says. First mention, uh, second mention of day by day, well, to resist temptation. It's how to know the will of God. And finally, she pressed him to the real secret. Look at verse 19 and 20. And she made him sleep upon his, her knees, and she called for the man, because he finally told her, it's my hair. And that was symbolic of the Nazarite separation. And she called for the man and caused him to shave off his seven locks of his head. She began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. She said that several other times, and he just slew him. And he, and he awoke out of his sleep. This is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. And he said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself and shake those little peons off of me, may I add. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. He wished not that the Lord had departed from him. Here comes the Philistines. Samson wakes up and says, let me at him. And he finds out that he gave the secret away. He gave his separation away. He gave his holiness away. He compromised. 
Therefore he was weak because he was not filled with the Spirit. And he wished not that the Lord had departed from him. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and went. Today, the Holy Spirit remains in us. The New Testament, John chapter 14. But folks, just because he's in there doesn't mean that he's in control. And I want to tell you something. He's not so hard-pressed to use dirty vessels. He will not fulfill his purpose in dirty vessels. We must be sanctified. You don't hear that much in a Baptist church. We must be filled with the Spirit of God. We must be controlled by the Spirit of God. And if we're going to be controlled by the Spirit of God, we have to reject the visions of, of, of sin. We have to reject the thoughts of sin. We need to fill our minds with the Word of God. Say, man, the word, of I, word, of, uh, word that I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The Bible says in Psalms 119, let the meditation of my heart and the thoughts be acceptable unto God. Psalms chapter 19. You got time to go there. The challenge is to stay pure. I don't want the power of God to depart from my life. And I've seen a lot of older preachers blow it, get into pornography, get into extramarital affairs, and get into indifference, and get into bitterness, and callousness instead of compassion and fervency. Get into all kinds of things saying, hey, I've served my time, I'll just retire before you retire. No, we need to refire, say amen. He diluted his power. Maybe once there was a faithful deacon and now maybe there once was a, he was a wonderful Sunday school teacher. Maybe you were a soul winner and you compromised and you played with sin and the power of God departed from you and you didn't even know he did. Preacher without anointing is so sad. Then I want you to see that he disgraced his profession. In chapter 16, verse 21, the Bible says, But the Philistines took him and put his eyes, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gazan, bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. And howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. But not only his hair was the secret, it was his heart began to grow closer to God. And then the lords of the Philistines gathered themselves together for the offering of the great sacrifice unto Dagon, their God, and to rejoice, for they said, Our God has delivered Samson, Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, little g, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our, uh, our, hands, our enemy, and, he destroy, and the destroyer of our country. They were talking about Samson. Which, which slew many of us. Oh, they were having a heyday. They took the mighty man of God down to the prison house. And they seared his eyeballs out. Can you, can, you, can you just hear that sizzling as they burnt his eyes out? I can hear his eyes just sizzle. The sunshine was going out. The one that was to shine. His eyes were gone. He was blind. And he, and he ground, it was grinding day after day, just like an animal. Just like an animal. And he's grinding grain. What kind of grain? Grain for the Philistines to have their strength. The whole time they're laughing and ridiculing. Hey, where's your God? And he disgraced his profession. He disgraced his calling before God. I'd rather die than disgrace 
disgrace my calling. I'd rather die five minutes before I did it. Oh, how many of us have done it? Began with a little sin. Down, down, down. It became blasphemous. We lost our testimony. Then let me just say quickly, he diminished his potential. Verse 28 through 30, we got to go. The Bible says, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. Business is picking up now. This is why I think he made the Hall of Fame of Faith. Look at verse 28, chapter 16. You with me? I pray thee, strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be as once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two metal pillars upon the house stood and on that which was borne up and the one with the right hand and the other on the left hand and Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might and, he, and, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at this death were more than they which slew, he slew in his, whole li- in his whole life. He died right. Samson begins to think and repents. He gets right with God. God fills him with the Spirit again. I can imagine, I don't know if he got a little boy to lead him to the pillars, but I... I believe he got a hold of those pillows. I can imagine that. The people were laughing and jeering at him. He said, son, put my, put my right hand on this pillow and put my left hand and get out of here. And I, began, I believe he began to pray and he began to strain. And folks, I believe those, those pillows stumbled. And then all those uh, cascading marble began to ricochet down and the whole place was wiped out, including him. There's two things I want to... I I want to close with Number one, the high cost of low living. Don't play around with sin. Watch the crowds you hang around with. Don't play around with sin. Don't treat sin like it treats you. Sin will have no mercy upon you. So don't have any mercy on sin. Don't let a little sin in. Don't sin when you're by yourself. Don't sin when you're out of town. And secondly, there is mercy and forgiveness from the Lord. Amen? You can get up after you fail. Let me just say this in closing. Failure is not final when you turn back to the Lord. God is a God of mercy and of grace. And let me just tell you why Samson's in the middle of that list. Because he didn't live too good a life. Because it's not about Samson. The Bible's not about Samson. Hebrews is not about Samson. Hebrews 11's not about Samson. I'll tell you what that Bible, the Bible's about, and I'll tell you what this chapter's about. It's about God. And folks, listen, not the receiver of faith, but the giver of faith should be emphasized here. And thank God, thank God that God's a God who is a God that gives grace. But not only gives grace, he gives mercy. And that you can get up. That failure is not final. You ought to fall forward for God. You ought to learn a lesson from sin. You ought to learn lessons from the failures in your life. You ought to get up by faith, by faith, and say, Lord, you can use me again. God will. And his name will be glorified. Father, use this message. Thank you, God.
for the privilege of preaching on this character, Samson. I don't understand all that he did, but I know I think why. Because he was enticed. And he didn't guard the eye gate. He didn't guard the heart gate. Dear Lord, it took his life for him to fulfill the purpose of his life. What a shame. What a life lived beneath his privilege. With the strength you gave him and the wisdom you gave him and the power and the health that you gave him, he could have done great things for your glory. God help us. God help us not to forfeit the eternal values on the altar of immediacy. God help us not to forfeit the life for eternity for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I believe this will make a good back-to-school message, but I believe it will be a good back-to-work message. I believe it might be a good message to go home with. We need to keep our guard up. Some of you have dropped your guard lately. Some of you are delving into things that's going to rob you of the power of God. Nobody knows, but you know. God the Holy Spirit knows. We need to be very careful. Samson is such a great warning. I thank God for the Bible, don't you? Say amen. That he not only puts the stars, but puts the scars of human beings in the Bible to teach us and warn us and exhort us not to make the same mistakes. I thank God for that. But how many say, preacher, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, I want to fulfill the calling of God to be like him and the calling of Christ to be Christ-like. And I want to fulfill my life as a vessel of honor, not a vessel of disgrace. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. And daily, I want to magnify Him through living for Christ and making the right decisions. And that's your prayer tonight. You slip your hand up high towards heaven. I got to raise both mine. It's tempting, isn't it, men? Let me just say this: It's tempting out there, isn't it, ladies? There's a lot of temptation. You'll turn your eyes upon the Lord and keep your eyes fastened on the Lord. Stay in this book. Stay in prayer. God will use you as a man or lady of faith. Father, thank you for speaking to my heart. When I was preparing this message, God, you spoke to my heart. Lord, with all my heart, I want to stay clean. I want to stay pure. I want to walk with you. I want to stay close. I don't want to be a preacher that just goes through the motions good content but no power so Lord I pray for every leader in this church I pray dear God for every student that's going back to school especially those back to college Lord I pray that you keep them pure that you guard their hearts guard their eyes guard their minds and use them for your glory God help each daddy be pure teach his children purity. God help each mama 
to walk with God so they can, she can lead her children to walk with God. Lord, I pray that you'd guard our girls from marrying the wrong person. It'll absolutely ruin their life. It'll disgrace their mother. It'll break their father's heart. Oh God, please help them to be wise and be led of the Spirit in their dating, their attractions, their activities crowd they run with. God help Samson to be a warning to our soul. In Jesus' precious name we pray.